Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on today's episode we're going to be reviewing the 2020 horror film Freaky, directed by Christopher Landon and starring Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. In this film, Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer who switches bodies with the high school girl. For those of you who may be new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front, then we'll take a quick break, hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. Brian, was this on your list for this year at all? Yeah, I really wanted to see this movie. I don't know what took me so long. Was it because Vince Vaughn's in it, or were you hearing like really good reviews? I heard really good reviews, and I loved the concept. Oh, okay. And the concept is basically Freaky Friday, just with the serial killer. Uh, replacing the mother, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just and I I really like horror comedy, so I was excited. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering since this was uh, the story was so like you know tied to this book that was uh, you know that Freaky Friday was based on. Uh, do you? I, I was trying to figure out if if this type of movie was would like be paying royalties out to the original book or to the original film. That's do you, a have, good... do you have any idea? That's a good question because it's not the same exact story. It's just a spin on that. I don't think you can really claim any ownership for the concept of people switching bodies. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know how far back that would go. Yeah, I mean, although they were originally going to title the movie Freaky Friday the 13th, which when you get that similar with the title, then it's like, well, maybe you do owe some money. I don't know. I didn't read anything about that. I'm not sure how that would have worked. Oh, does the original Freaky Friday take place on Friday the 13th? Um, I don't know if it does, but I'm just saying then like more of the movie's title overlaps with the book, you know, Freaky Friday, Freaky Friday the 13th. Sure, sure. Yeah, this was a novel from 1972, by the way. Right. Yeah, it goes pretty far back. Yeah. Also similar plot as a movie from 2002, Hot Chicks. You ever see that one? Or The Hot Chick? (laughs) I never saw that, but it is very similar. Yeah, yeah. You got Rob Schneider instead of Vince Vaughn in that one. Yeah, Billy Madison production. Or a Happy Madison production, rather. Oh, okay. Are you a big Vince Vaughn fan? Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm not, like, obsessed with him, but I like him in anything I see him in. Yeah, I do think he is like one of the comedians from that era who's held up a little bit more. Like he's had some great films, which even you know going back like old school, uh, Wedding Crashers, uh, Swingers, like he's pretty solid still. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a good actor. He's funny. I was surprised to see this isn't the first time he's playing a serial killer. He's done, uh, the, I guess it was a Psycho remake in the late '90s and a movie called Clay Pigeons. Yep. Uh, he, he just doesn't strike me as someone who would ever get cast as a serial killer. Yeah, right. But he uh, he does that well. He does. I feel like he's got the physique for it, which is like one of the things that's played up in this film. Yeah, I forget how huge he is. He's 6'5". <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy. And I feel like that works really well with a lot of his comedy. He's just like that big kind of doofus guy. Yeah, they but, really uh, play up his size pretty well. Yeah, they do. That, that's fun to see. Uh, genre-wise, though, you mentioned, yeah, horror comedy, uh, slasher, possession maybe? Oh, sure. Maybe a little bit. Not really. Okay. <laughs> Figure that one was a stretch. <laughs> but slasher, uh, for sure? Yeah, slasher, horror comedy. Supernatural slasher. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this director, Christopher Landon? Have you seen his other work? 
Um, I have not seen a ton of his work. He he wrote a lot of stuff. He co-wrote Disturbia from 2007, which I really liked. Uh, he co-wrote mm-hmm. Paranormal 2. He wrote 3. He co-wrote Paranormal 4. And he wrote Paranormal Activity, the marked ones. And he also co-wrote and directed Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. I have seen neither of those movies. I really need to see those. Oh, man. Yeah, you do. I know. I was really surprised to see that he was a writer on so many of those paranormal activities because uh, the tone of those movies is so different than like the Happy Death Day and and this film, which I think is more similar to Happy Death uh, Day, that franchise. Yeah, I mean, so, the writing on those seems so much more sparse, too. Right. Oh, on the paranormal activities? Yeah, it's just uh, less going on in a paranormal activity movie than most movies. Right, right, exactly. And and no comedy where I feel like these lean pretty heavily into the comedy arena. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw past Paranormal 3, though. We'll have to journey further into that franchise. Yeah, I think similar. 3 was, was kind of peak for me. Um, you know, with, with Happy Death Day, though, and I, yeah, I know you haven't seen that one, uh, but uh, combining that with Freaky, I feel like both of them play to uh, this kind of horror comedy that ties to adolescence in high school um or, or like yeah young teens or something or maybe happy death day is even more of a, a college level person but um I, I yeah i definitely think this person or christopher landon has a unique style that uh is very about like kind of brighter uh horror films not not necessarily scary at all right yeah although i do think some of the horror moments in this movie were played pretty well and fairly straight as horror it does oh, have yeah definitely a a light-hearted tone for most of the movie and it's jokey and even some of the horror is slightly jokey but a lot of it's played pretty straight yeah yeah definitely uh i I thought like a lot of like great like uh throwbacks to some of the great slashers uh i feel like you can see a lot of those representatives like scream or, or the friday the 13th franchise sure there are some homages as well yeah yep I, I was surprised to see this film was released in theaters last November, which surprised me because I thought all theaters were closed back then. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that being like, wow, okay, they're releasing it in theaters on November, Friday the 13th, 2020. Oh. And it yeah. didn't do horribly considering the state of theaters at that point in time. It I know. got a box office of $16 million on a budget of $6 million. Yeah, pretty good return. Yeah, yeah, not that bad. I did read, according to Deadline.com, they spent at least $8 million on advertising, so this would make it not profitable box office-wise for Bloomhouse, but sure. um, considering the theater's cut of that $16 million, but still, but for that time of year, and in that year, 2020, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. I was surprised that it even saw a theatrical release. I assumed they would have just pivoted and gone all streaming. right. Right. That was good good for them hard to let go um, of a friday the 13th release date like that i'm sure yeah yeah that's that's clutch um and then rotten tomatoes 84 percent pretty close audience score as well of 80 percent uh you mentioned blumhouse productions um it sounds like jason blum was pretty closely involved with like the conception of this yeah i didn't even realize it was a blumhouse until i turned it on oh yeah he was and I think that, you know, speaking of like genre stuff, I, this kind of like watching it, it feels like a Blumhouse, uh, like pretty, pretty light on its feet. Yeah. And yeah. Very blockbustery. Yeah, it is kind of blockbustery. Um, and speaking of that, Rotten Tomatoes, 84%. It was also nominated quite a bit at last year's Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. 
Mm. It was nominated for Best Wide Release. Vince Vaughn was nominated for Best Lead. Misha Oshorovich, Osherovich was nominated for Best Supporting. It was nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Makeup Effects, which were done by Alterian Studios. And that's a makeup and effects company owned by Tony Gardner. And they've worked on everything from Daft Punk's Helmets to Zombieland to Speed to Scary Movie 2, Adam's Family, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I think it cleaned up on some awards. I I know Vince Vaughn won uh, the Critics' Choice Super Awards for Best Actor in a Horror Movie. And the HNID Awards. Any idea what that is? HNID. I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but uh, do, do you know if it won any of the Fangoria I'm ones? I'm sure they're valid. I don't think it won any of those Fangoria ones from what I remember. Oh, okay. 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 That, that's a good, good. Cleaning up on some nominations. Yeah. I don't know if you call it cleaning up for getting nominated, but get, getting the broom <laughs> yeah. out at least. Then putting it away, sadly. <laughs> um what any anything else you want to mention before uh we jump into like the ohio connection uh i noticed there were a couple of shots in this movie that kind of stood out to me and this was shot by a guy named laurie rose uh who shot 2019's pet cemetery and 2018's overlord overlord is another movie i remember having some really cool shots in so i feel like this is a bit of an up-and-coming cinematographer yeah, I saw uh, he's like kind of uh, he's got a lot of acclaim for like his past work. So uh, cool, cool to see him tied to this one. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of other background info on this movie. Uh, unless you've got anything else, I'll go straight to our Ohio connection. Uh, that's all I had. Yeah, let's, let's do the Ohio connection. Okay, listeners, if you don't know by now, every episode, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, sir. If you're in that neck of the woods, go check out Jukebox. And Alex says, Freaky is a 2020 slasher comedy film directed by Christopher Landon, starring Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton, Katie Finneran, and longtime character actor Alan Ruck. Known primarily as a sidekick, Ruck is most famous for his role as Cameron Fry in the John Hughes classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He has also had memorable roles in the films Speed, Twister, and Bad Boys, along with main cast credit on the popular TV series Spin City and Succession. Alan Ruck was born and raised in Parma, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was hoping uh, he would make that connection. Uh, I was just watching Ferris Bueller randomly like uh, two or three nights ago. Have you seen that in a while? Yes, I I watch that every couple of years. It's so good. It's so good. It holds up. And then, uh, have you seen the show Succession? No, I've never seen that. Oh man, I'm like uh, getting to the end of season one. It's 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 incredible. Awesome. Yeah, but, uh, Alan Ruck. He's a, he's a fun actor. I actually really liked him in that Spin City TV series. Oh, I never saw that one. That was a big show, actually, right? It was. I loved that show. Oh man, we'd love to check that out. Um, and the, also uh, other fun facts I found: the co-writer Michael Kennedy was born in Cleveland, and so was Tony Gardner, who owns the special effects makeup studio Alterian. Wow. This movie's yeah. got Ohio all over it. Ohio all over it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah, great great connection. Nice to, nice to see that guy in this film. Sure um, was. Yeah. Playing a horrible uh, villain. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Pretty short-lived. Um, do you uh, want to jump into the review, go through the plot, hit some spoilers? Let's do it. All right, great. Hey, before we do that, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I just want to grab a bottle of wine really quick. 
Sure, man. Go for it. All right. Thanks. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. Everything go well with that bottle of wine? You, you sound a little tense. I hope it helps you relax. Oh, man, yeah, it was just, it was, I, I couldn't find the bottle opener again, so I had to go find a, a teenager down the street and just shove the bottle down his neck to open it. But Sometimes least, that's oh, just the quickest way. It is, it is. And at least uh, that way you're getting something out of teenagers, otherwise they're a drain on society, right? Fairly useless. Yeah, exactly. One thing my wife does if we can't find a bottle opener is she'll shove chapstick down into it and push the cork into the bottle. What? Really? Yeah, it works. Uh, it can uh, explode a little bit, so you've got to cover it up with a towel, but it works. Why Why chapstick? Uh, it's just like the right size. It's not bigger than the cork. Oh, okay. okay and you cool. can they still just... get a good amount of pressure on it. Nice, nice. So then you just get the cork into the wine? Yeah, then the cork's in the wine. It, it gets a little awkward to pour, but desperate times. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The worst is like when you're, uh, you are you tear up the cork and then like you have particles of it fall into the wine. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's disaster, yeah. All right, well, enough uh, about wine. Should we dump, jump into the plot here? Yeah, we'll save that for our, our wine podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Be sure Clearly, we're even out. more noobs with wine than we are with horror <laughs> movies. Yeah, our number one tip is how to open a wine bottle with a, a chapstick uh, thing. It's <laughs> great. All right, uh, so this movie opens up with this group of teenagers that are hanging out uh, around a fire at a house. They're talking about this urban legend around the serial killer named the Blissfield Butcher. Two of the kids wander inside, and one of them goes into this basement and uh, is going through these bottles of wine when this masked figure pops up wearing a mask. Uh, that kind of looks like Jason. And uh, this person uh, shoves the wine bottle down the throat of this teenager, killing them, and then goes upstairs and kills one of the uh, teenage girls by slamming her head into the toilet. And then it kills another one of the teenage boys uh, with a tennis racket through uh, their head. And it kills the last uh, teenage girl by impaling her on a spear. And then the killer leaves, but not before stealing this knife that was in the house that uh, was glowing suspiciously because it has magic powers. Uh, what did you think of this opening scene? I thought it was a really great opening scene. It was just kind of a typical slasher opening where a bunch of people who don't matter that much to the story get killed one after the other. Mm-hmm. But they they put some suspense in there. I really liked when the kid was getting the wine, he kept bending over and coming back up and the camera kept moving down and up with him. Right. And you just knew yeah. that sooner or later, once the camera came back up, there was going to be a the serial killer behind him. But yeah, it, it still worked, even though you knew it was coming. And uh, I liked how um, kind of vicious Vince. They play Vince Vaughn as a serial killer. He just like Kool Aid mans through through doors and stuff. Like <laughs> I know <laughs> he just like busted down the door. I, they really play up his strength and power, and uh, I appreciated that. Yeah, he's a brute, man. He's got a, a physical presence. He's just like, uh, yeah, kid, throwing these kids around. He's got like this crazy strength about him. Yeah, it's and he cool plays it well. Like he plays that role well. It's not easy. It's a physical role, and it takes a certain right. something. And he would he would do well in any like sincere horror movie. Exactly, I agree. Uh, yeah, but I, I I love that. I mean, I, I know it's kind of a, a trope at this point where in scary films the camera like follows the main character 
it, 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 through their motions and you're just like expecting that at one point the the, the person's going to pop up in the background but it, it works pretty well in this one because i think it faked you out like two or three times with that yeah. approach yeah it did and it's uh i think it was well timed and yeah the up down motion isn't quite as common as the kind of like panning across with them or, or dollying as they move through a space sure uh, yeah, but I agree. I, I thought all the the kills were really uh, creative, like one, a wine bottle, a tennis racket, uh, being thrown on a spear. Pretty uh, creative kills. Yeah, I loved that tennis racket. He looked like the, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, Joey Gladstone or something, wearing like one of those weird hats that looks like an arrow through one side of your head. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he broke the <laughs> tennis racket in half and then shoved both ends in so that it looked like it was going through his head. It was a great kill. That was a great kill, yeah. Um, I also think, I think this is one of the themes of the movie that we'll talk about later, but it kind of starts setting up this uh, uh, piece on um, maybe the switching of gender roles. Did you notice, uh, so I I think two of these characters, uh, they go off, um, I don't think they're having sex, or yeah, I I think they are having sex, but the the guy is lasting longer, the woman's done, right? Yeah, yep, she wraps it up. Yeah, she wraps up and he's like, oh, can't we go for like another three minutes or something? And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a drive through or something. But uh, it, was, it was just kind of a, a funny dialogue set that I, I think might uh, play into some of the themes that are later on in the film around like gender reversal roles and things like that. Yeah, that's true. This movie does play a lot with gender and with stereotypes and in a funny, entertaining and uh, poignant way. Yeah. Right, right. There was also one other thing in here I wanted to call out. There's a clear homage to Michael Myers. He after he pins that uh, dude to the wall, or no, he pins a girl to the wall on like a mm-hmm. spear or a horn that's hanging out of the wall, and then he does the head tilt that Michael does after he kills. Uh, oh, I can't remember Bob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In, in in Halloween. In the original Halloween. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think uh, clear clear nods to uh, Halloween. I also think uh, a nod to Friday the Thirteenth with the mask. I thought it was very Jasonish. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we meet our main character the next day. Her name is Millie. She's this high school teenager. Uh, we learn that she's lost her dad recently, and her family obviously is taking it hard, especially her mom. Um, she likes to guilt Millie a lot into spe- I mean, she guilts Millie a lot into spending time with her. And uh, Millie's older Sarah's sister is a sheriff. And we also meet Millie's two friends, Nyla and Josh. Uh, what did you think of these characters and the setup? Did you like them? I don't think her sister is the sheriff. She's just a cop. Oh, okay. I thought it was sister sheriff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm okay. getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure she's just a cop. Um, I liked all the characters. And right away, they kind of... The family has some, like, awkwardness, and the sister's kind of distant, but you understand the dynamics right away. You can tell that Millie kind of cares not too much about her mom, but she's not giving herself the attention she deserves so that mm-hmm. her mom can have attention. They're, like, going to a concert or something instead of going to homecoming. Um, right. So, yeah, it's clear she's... They're all rattled still by the loss of the father, and uh, I think Millie clings a little too much for the is doing the mother a favor by clinging to the mother. Yep. Yeah, I like that. It serves as a cool backdrop of and uh, some like, kind of friction in the background. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that night, uh, after a football game, Millie's waiting for her mom to pick her up, but her mom has fallen asleep. So she's uh, at the school by herself. She gets attacked by the butcher. 
uh, the butcher chases her around the the stands of the stadium and then ends up stabbing her with the knife that he stole the night before uh the knife seems to have some kind of magic power because when he stabs millie he also gets a self-inflicted wound um and then millie's sister the police or the cop (laughs) shows up and saves millie while the butcher escapes and runs away yeah. Uh, did you enjoy did you enjoy this scene this kind of cat and mouse between them? Yeah, I thought it was a cool scene and there was another really great shot here where um I think it was like a steady cam shot of Millie. She's on the ground crawling underneath something and then stands up and is running and the camera is kind of like tracking with her like she's running towards the camera and it's moving with her. Mm-hmm. And you see Vince Vaughn running behind her like chasing her and it's just really a cool shot and it also shows I think something they play on a couple times later that Millie's not a fast runner. Oh. <laughs> Vince Vaughn is just like kind of walking at first and then eventually is like, okay, now I'm going to sprint and catch up with you. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Because there's, yeah, there's kind of like an opposite version of that scene later on, right? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a, a play on that scene later on. And it kind of establishes the run. Like this is a... Uh, a suspenseful scene but it also sets you up for the entertainment later as Vince Vaughn being in Millie's body because you see that Millie's not a great runner and Vince Vaughn comically <laughs> runs for a lot of this movie yeah yep yeah so so yeah the, the next morning Millie wakes up uh but she's not Millie anymore she's uh she's in the body of the butcher and she's woken up in this warehouse and the butcher wakes up in the body of Millie at Millie's house. So the bodies have switched. The butcher, who looks like Millie now, goes to school in Millie's body. And at school that day, she, or I guess he, murders uh, one of the popular girls by putting her in a cryotherapy tank. And then murders the woodshop teacher with a table saw. Uh, I really liked uh, the table saw kill. What, what did you think? The table saw kill was great. This was Alan Ruck, who was her shop teacher, who was a jerk to her from the get-go of the movie. And they have like a real all-out brawl <laughs> before yeah. this. And this is one thing the movie plays up really well, both for entertaining and just action sequences, for humor and action. Millie is surprised by how strong she is in Vince and the butcher's body. But then the butcher is surprised by how weak he is in Millie's body and he struggles with it. Like the things he assumes are going to be easy are hard for him. Like he thinks he's just going to overpower this guy easily, but then he kind of gets his ass kicked before finally buzzsawing him in half vertically. Yeah. I love that they brought out that aspect that that could have like easily been lost in the details. But yeah, that was like the core core thing here is like you're suddenly uh, a much smaller person and like your strength is gone. And you could see like in all the fights that she gets into, she doesn't have that uh, strength that like uh, or the, that the butcher had as, as Vince Vaughn. Right, right. And they even bring this up as part of the theme of the movie too, like her feeling empowered in his body and realizing her own strength by the end of the film. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's a good good theme there. And I, I liked uh, Millie also as a villain. It's not often we get to see like a teenage girl as a serial killer. And um, one of the things we notice right away is like she changes her whole appearance in a way. Um, and she's kind of like, you know, smiling creepily throughout the day. So it's like a whole different Millie than we'd been seeing. Uh, I, I like this transformation a lot. I do too. And she has, Catherine Newton has a way of holding her head. Like, I feel like she really nailed 
Vince Vaughn's posture. Oh, Specifically the yeah. way he holds his head. She really had it down. Yeah, she did. So meanwhile, the, the real Millie, who is in the butcher's body now, sneaks into the school and finds her friends who obviously at first are running away because they think it's the butcher. But uh, Millie convinces them that, no, nah, I'm, I'm the real Millie. It's a, kind of a funny scene where they are like quizzing her on like what her favorite snack is or... Um, what her favorite movie is and a few questions like that and, and so we're seeing like vince vaughn acting as like a, a teenage girl which pretty funny right yeah and they're trying to like hit him with all these spoons they're in a kitchen and he's blocking them with pants and stuff and they're yeah. just like it's like a weird stop hitting me like guys sequence but <laughs> it's actually really funny it's done really well largely thanks to vince vaughn's physical humor and just his yeah. delivery of lines and yeah, once he like calms everyone down, he's like, we've done lots of hitting. Just, he just has a bunch of lines that I can repeat here and they won't work, but he really made them work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really liked his portrayal. <laughs> he really got into character here. And then, yeah, to your point earlier, like, uh, he's, he's, uh, well, M- Millie as Vince Vaughn is, uh, un- underestimating her strength here. So like, uh, like little movements are like throwing people away to the side which is kind of fun to see. Yeah, like accidentally throwing people way farther than she th- she thought would be a shove, but they like launch across the room and she's yeah. like hitting her head on stuff. She pees yeah. in the bathroom after they like all realize it's actually Millie and she's she has a lot of funny lines. Vince Vaughn has yeah. a lot of funny lines about having a penis. <laughs> Do I wipe? <laughs> yeah, some great humor here. I like it. Uh, so the real Millie... And her friends, uh, now that they believe that you know she's actually Millie, they go on the run from the police. They uh, end up tracking the butcher down at an arcade and uh, knock him out. Uh, also at the arcade is this guy, this teenager named Booker that Millie has a crush on. His, his name was Booker, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they, they end up knocking him out to take him away because he was about to get killed by the butcher. So they take the butcher, and, who's in Millie's body, and they tie him up uh, at one of their friend at Josh's house, one of her friends. And two of them go off to the police station because they realize they need to find the knife uh, that was originally used to switch the bodies back. Um, while they're at the station, there's a really awkward scene here where Vince Vaughn uh, is talking to her crush, uh, Booker, and... Um, they kiss for the first time because like they yeah. fall in love. <laughs> How this is gross, right? <laughs> that, did, I don't. I don't know. Last time I seen like a middle-aged uh, act, like yeah, middle-aged man kiss like a, a teenage boy um, in a normal way. Yeah, I mean, call, what was the age difference in Call Me by Your Name? Oh, I never saw that film. I think that was like a ten-year age difference. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of, it's humorous, but then it's also kind of, like, sincere and, like, if you can get over the age difference of the characters, like, he doesn't care that she's in this body. He's, just, you know, presumably this straight man who likes her so much that he doesn't care that she's in yeah. this middle-aged serial killer body of a man, and, and they have a kiss anyway. But they they play it up sincerely uh, I think it's also commenting on gender roles and sexuality like this movie does a few times. Mm-hmm. And um, they also play it up for humor. She's, they, I think they ultimately decided to wait until she's back in her body and 
Vince Vaughn says, maybe we should wait for when my hand's not bigger than your whole face. Because <laughs> yeah. really, he like puts his hand on his face and it's like palming his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was awkward to see. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just from like the, yeah, the age uh, gap and like, this is like a, a kid who's like in high school uh, kissing a, a dude who's like, uh, yeah, in his, has the body of like a 40 or 50 old, right? Yeah, yeah. But if uh, if Booker's eighteen, then all, all all is good. Love is love. That's true. That's true. Hopefully, it was senior year. Yeah, those early bloomers. Uh, all right. Well, so there's that scene, and then uh, the oh, so then her friend uh, breaks into the police station. Um, but while they're there, the butcher escapes and makes his way to this party where there are a bunch of teenagers hanging out at the party. He murders a bunch of teenagers, pretty, again, like pretty cool, gruesome murders, like one person he uh, cuts, I think, in the balls with a chainsaw, right? Yeah, indeed. That was cool. And then uh, someone else gets like a hook through the eye. So Millie and her friends finally make it to that party and they square off with the butcher. And I think in this scene, then it must be a referral to what you were talking about earlier, where Millie's chasing the butcher, but uh, the butcher is able to like run really fast and Millie's like friends are like running past her to catch yeah, her the butcher. friends just blow past her even though she's in Vince Vaughn's giant body yeah <laughs> oh so that so so the implication there it's it's not the body it's it's actually like the person in the coordination or something I think so I, I assume so because they Vince Vaughn like he pardon the phrase but he does a traditional of what you might consider running like a girl throughout this movie. Oh, sure. Um, which I think is okay because I think that earlier scene and that steady cam shot established that Millie is not a great runner. And that's like <laughs> legitimately how she runs and she can be easily overtaken. I see. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. So, uh, yeah, Millie's able to stab the butcher right before their time runs out. Their bodies switch, and as soon as this happens, the police show up and shoot down the butcher. So we think it's all over, and Millie, now back, returned to her body, gets to kiss her crush, and it's like a happy ending. But then she goes home, and uh, that night, the butcher shows up again, uh, because he must have escaped the, the ambulance or something. And uh, he starts taking down Millie and her family, and she's about to, he's about to kill Millie, but then Millie, I think having the experience of living through his body for like a day or whatever, feels like that inner strength come out and kicks him in the balls and stabs him through the chest, finally killing the butcher. Was that your interpretation? Like it was kind of like this is the character transformation we were looking for the whole time? Yeah, I think she realized her own strength. Being in his body weirdly helped her realize her own strength um, right. and just everything she had been through throughout the course of the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, right. That was, that was quite a day. Yeah. Quite a Friday the 13th. <laughs> quite a Friday the 13th. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this film? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it was shot really well, as I already said. Um, and it was one of those things, too, where I want to review the like technical elements of the film, but I was so invested in it that it was kind of hard to analyze the cinematics of it all. Um, and I feel like mm -hmm. when that happens for me, it's because a movie did almost everything right. Like if things are done wrong, you're noticing and you're, it's taking you out of the movie. But if everything's done right, I get so invested, I forget to critically analyze it. 
Um, I know. I feel the same way. Like after I saw this one, I went back and I realized I didn't have like too many notes on it. Same. Like they kind of like dropped off at a certain point. And yeah, this movie really sucks you into it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's almost a shame too, as a like reviewer, if we can call ourselves at this day and age, three years in, it you wanna say more about the movies you love than about the movies you don't like. It's always so much easier to say things you don't like about a movie because you have all the like bullet points. But when things are going so smoothly. I personally just like get into the movie and I forget to take notes. I forget to even think why I like it. I just know I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Sometimes like with Inside, I could pause it every two minutes and write (laughs) write every gory thing that happened. Maybe I just wanted to torture you with describing it all again. But uh, it also was a a really well paced movie, which might be part of that. It uh, kept moving. Mm-hmm. So it didn't have a lot of time for you to sit back and think much, but I think in a good way. Like it just kept moving on and it was a horror comedy and it, it, it hit the dramatic beats as well. It was still touching, but, um, you know, as a horror comedy with tons of gore and action, it, it had to move fast. That was just the nature of it. And that was the tone that it struck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just have to be a horror comedy that moves slow. Like, yeah, yeah pretty right. Cool. That's not quick and lighten on your feet. Yeah, um, unless you're like what we do in the shadows. Oh, sure. <laughs> We're here awkwardly. In one yeah, place. that's their brand of humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think of it? I agree. Uh, plot wise, uh, really well paced and pretty engrossing. And uh, the performances I thought were really good. I thought both of the leads did great in like both of their roles. Like Vince Vaughn as a serial killer was believable. And then him as a 14 or not a 14 year old girl, but like a, a high school girl was believable. Same thing with uh, Catherine Newton. I, I thought she like, I, it almost like gave them both an opportunity to like kind of flex muscles of both characters, which, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? It's funny because Vince Vaughn, I feel like, was flexing some new muscles playing himself, like as a serial killer, like bursting Mm -hmm. down doors and stuff. Right. Like him playing Catherine Newton or him playing Millie, like that's that's a brand of humor that wasn't too far out of his lane. That's true. Um, Even though he's this giant (laughs) man, he kind of, he that's his brand of comedy. It's kind of like light and wisecracky. Um, Yeah. But Millie as a serial killer, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff that Catherine Newton's been in. I've seen a little bit of Big Little Lies and I've seen three mm-hmm. billboards and blockers, but this, she was able to play out of, out of type with the serial killer. And I thought she did a really good job and I'd have to watch it again. But for the most part, I think she embodied Vince Vaughn fairly well. It's hard to say because you don't see him as a serial killer without his mask much. So you don't know what his facial right. expressions would be like. Right. But in terms of her movements and motions, I, I think she had a lot of that down. Yeah, I, I think so too. She came across as like pretty menacing. It's, it's tough to uh, replicate like the 6'5 dude. Because uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Vince Vaughn, like seeing him as a serial killer is kind of a new thing. And, and I thought he did it like really well. And he was pretty scary and, and like huge. And then I thought, uh, yeah, dude, that's that's a feat to be able to kind of translate that or transform that into a uh, high school uh, high schooler. Yeah, and the movie did this weird thing, too, where you were able to root for the butcher when the butcher was in Millie's body because they had set up before the switch that Millie gets bullied a lot, and there are specific people in her life that have bullied her, and you hate those people within the first 20 minutes of the movie already. But then when they switch, 
these people don't know that they have switched, so they keep bullying Millie as if they just like they always do. But the butcher's in there now, and the butcher gets pissed and kills them horribly. And it's just fun, you know. It, it makes you root for the serial killer, um, which keeps the movie engaging throughout. There's always something to be excited about. That's a really good point. Like everyone that the butcher does kill was one of the bullies and not like one of the characters that you like, which kind of leads me to, to one of my critiques of this film. And I think this is a more of a critique of uh, Christopher Landon because I, I think Happy Death Day might be similar, but none of the characters you get attached to or, or like very much ever feel like they're any like kind of real uh, threat or danger. Um, it's always like the good guys winning and killing the bad guys or whatever. Uh, did did you feel like that kept this movie from like crossing lines into like true horror territory? Yeah, sure, sure. I I agree with that, but I like that. I I like a horror comedy that can lean more towards the comedy. I don't need to see. I don't know. Not to say it would the tone would get confused if the main characters were truly in dire straits, but I think they're threatened enough that it's engaging. I don't think we need to see anyone die. At least I don't, personally. <laughs> I don't know. In a horror film, I, I like when the stakes are high and like you do feel scared for your main characters. And uh, yeah, I just felt like throughout this film, I mean, one, you know it's like based on the story, so you kind of know what's going to happen, and there's like a certain level of predictability with it. But then... Um, it's kind of nice to have some like uh, something that that's like at stake where you don't know if your main character is going to make it or not, and uh, yeah, that that part like you never kind of feared for Millie, her mother, her friends, her sister, anyone there, right? I think that you do fear for them a little bit, no more than you do in most movies, though. Um, it wasn't super dark or super dire, but it hit all the beats that a story needs to hit to make you care and to make you be nervous about how things are going to turn out, in my opinion. Even though you know, hey, this is the tone of the movie, this is probably how it will work out, I felt like I could step into the movie enough and suspend my disbelief. Especially when they have a, a moment where the timer goes off and they think that the 24 hours has passed and they no longer can switch bodies back because it's been too long. And then you learn that that Booker has set the watch five minutes fast or five minutes ahead. And it ties to something he said earlier when she was getting chewed out by the shop teacher about being late. He's like, Hey, I always set my watch five minutes fast works every time. I, I thought that was kind of like cheesy. What, what did you think? I loved it. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was sweet yeah. and clever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, it, it, like, I, I feel like as, she, as soon as like she looked at her clock and saw it's 12, like, you know, like, the, cause that line was kind of thrown in there. Um, you, you know, it was going to like come up, have like some meeting later on in the movie. And if, I feel like it was obvious when she looks at her watch and it says 12 and she thinks it's over. You did, Didn't she kind of know then at that point that, oh, it's the five minute thing? No, I didn't. I didn't think about it until oh. they showed the flashback. <laughs> I just thought that line was her and Booker bonding. and I knew she had a crush on that guy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you say to a crush. Yeah. <laughs> time, exactly. time management tips. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just kind of, you know, the awkward. That's kind of a trope in a movie, right? The kids in a high school class who have a crush on each other saying some mundane line to each other. It's like gruel from Mean Girls. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I didn't yeah, think much of it. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't. Okay. Um, and then, uh, oh, what, what do you think about the ending? Like, we get our fake-out ending where we think he's dead, and then we get this last scene where he shows up at the house. Uh, I, I think great camera work again, like the way he sneaks up behind her and is, and is revealed to be in the house. 
but did you feel like it was a little over the top in terms of like we get it there was like character development you don't have to like have this extra scene just to show us that like oh she's realized now like in her power or whatever blah blah I think that scene was useful for showing her family life had reconciled like all three of the women in the family were empowered in the scene they all played a crucial role in besting him and they all came together as a family to do it so I think that not only was for her character to finally achieve the epitome of her strength and and kill the uh, the butcher, but it also was for her family to come back together and get over all of their humps and their weaknesses and flaws throughout the story. Okay, kind of like a, a last-minute catharsis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's it's nice and clean. You can tell, like, why that, that set piece or, like, why that sequence happens, but... I, I, I don't know, part of me feels like you didn't have to have that, and it felt like kind of forced, like you're trying to tie out this the the, the conflict that was plaguing the family earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it works, I guess, kind of. Yeah, I like to button, I like that they buttoned that up. Yeah, I, yeah to, to me, that, that kind of just adds to like that Disney kind of feel to this movie at that certain points, where, uh, yeah, it's like, the, you know, it's, it's clear kind of black and white, who the good guys are, bad guys are, who's safe, who's in danger who's getting killed, etc. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, a disney plot, especially if it's got extremely gory kills in it. <laughs> I and, think they balance each other out well. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the gory, gory kills definitely helped. Um, I'm kind of a sucker too, so. Sure. <laughs> For like an emotional through line that really hits all the notes you want it to hit. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely checks all those boxes and don't leave any stones unturned there. Um, plot hole wise, did it bother you that people are going to be wondering, uh, like, like, uh, Josh's mom, for example, is going to wonder why she was attacked by Millie the day before? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a plot hole. They'll have to explain that. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, that's not even a plot hole. It's just a, a thing that happened. Get okay. out of here with that. Rejected. Next. <laughs> Next one is uh, the sister still wondering why uh, Millie's friends were helping out the butcher. Not a plot hole. Not a plot hole? Just an explanation? Just something that has to be explained later. Next. <laughs> okay. Uh, There's only two I had, I think. I don't think I need <laughs> All right. Good. All right. I think you I think I swatted them. both of those into the stands. Yeah. Nice job. Um, uh, a couple other things I'd like to call out before we get too far away from the plot. Sure. Uh, the scene when he is, he does come back to the house. He, oh no, no, that's not the scene. When is this scene? I think it's a scene in her own house when she's trying to kill her family as the butcher. She stabs through a bathroom door mm-hmm. um, and the knife comes right through right next to the person's face, which was an homage to The Shining. Oh, that was in Josh's house, I think, when his mom comes home. Was that in Josh? Oh, yeah. So it was Josh and his mom were in the bathroom, right? Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't remember the exact sequence of events there. And you see, like, the exact camera angle from The Shining is if the camera's on the floor next to the door looking up at her as she's, like, pounding on the door with her forehead leaning against the door just like Jack Torrance. So that was a shining homage. And then Booker's last name on his jersey at the football game is Strode. Oh, nice. I assume an homage to Laurie Strode. Strode. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
yeah any, any any other connections that's it okay and then uh yeah obviously like i, I think we touched on this but there, there was a i think there was it's safe to say there was a theme here around uh, gender, sexual identity throughout the whole film with the role reversals, with a lot of the dialogue throughout the film. I, I think they were playing really interestingly on, on some of those uh, themes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think there was a, a point where um, her friends, I can't remember her other friend's name, Josh and Nyla. Yeah. So her, Josh and Nyla are in the boys restroom. And I think Josh has something about Nyla being in the boys restroom. And, uh, Millie is Vince Vaughn at this point, And she says something to the effect of like, she's got a dick, dick in her hand and you're wearing Chanel number five. Like, I think we're over oh, labels yeah. at this point. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, that was just kind of symbolic of the way they play with the gender roles and, and all that. Right. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too, uh, and in a great way to kind of transform like kind of an older storyline into you know a lot of like modern dialogue and what's what's going on. Yeah, uh, so some of the conversation today, so that's great. Yeah, and on that topic, actually, I think we've erroneously maybe a couple of times referred to Misha Osherovich as he, but his Misha's pronouns are they and them, and they played Josh in this one, right? Yeah, they played Josh. Okay, great. Yeah, and I, I loved both of... Uh, actually, the, the whole cast in this I thought was really well done. Yeah, I didn't think there was a bad performance in the bunch here. And Josh uh, really was a a humorous character a couple of times. Uh, just the way he acted in general. Um, and there's one scene that kind of made me laugh out loud where the cops were reporting on who they saw running with the bu- butcher. <laughs> Yeah, and he calls it, and he says, "One black female, one white, excited, <laughs> excited." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, smart, smart dialogue. I think throughout, uh, it's was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I think it successfully wove together some like stuff that could have sounded more like insulting and offensive in a different movie, but you could tell was coming from a place of love in this movie, mm-hmm. and it. it it was successfully humorous and lighthearted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, do you want to jump to our rating then? Yeah, let's do it. How many chainsaws to the balls would you give this one? I give this four and a half chainsaws to the balls. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I love this movie. I, I couldn't decide between a four and a half and a five. My gut said four yeah. and a half. So that's what I'm sticking with. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad, glad you had a good time with this one. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it, but I, I think I'm going to give it a, a three and a half, uh, through the balls just because I, I feel like the plot was kind of predictable. Like, you know, the title, you know what it's alluding to and like what, what's going to happen and the, the sense that there never felt like there was any real danger. Uh, I, I just feel like I, I would have loved to see one of the main characters get hacked up or something, but outside of that, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And on the topic of like knowing what you're going to get, it does do that. It gives you what you what you want to get, but that's also one of the pros for me is that you're intrigued by the premise of Vince Vaughn switched with a teenage girl, and they do everything they can to play up the comedy of that scenario. Mm. No yeah, stone is left win. unturned, but it doesn't get up, doesn't get old or monotonous either. 
Sure, sure. I, you know, I, I wondered that. Like, I, I, part of me was wondering if, like, halfway through, like, you get it. Here's Vince Vaughn acting as uh, a teenage girl, and uh, here's a, a teenage girl acting like a serial killer, and then like the novelty of it maybe wears off a little bit. But I guess there, there are enough jokes throughout that kind of keep and, and like plot to, uh, turns throughout that keep it kind of fresh. Yeah, um, it felt still to you. Let me ask you a question. Ooh, on a scale of zero to five awkward pauses what do you rate this episode this episode that we're doing right now yeah <laughs> zero to five awkward pauses uh probably a three and a three i'll st- i'll go with a three <laughs> all right i'm gonna give it a two and a half. Oh, really a lot of yeah. awkward pauses <laughs> <laughs> maybe a two yeah it's it's about to get worse so that's <laughs> uh my last question for you if you had an enchanted knife, who would you stab? Hmm. I, I guess I'd probably want to stab someone I'd want to switch bodies with, right? I mean, obviously, right? What, what, yeah. Boy. I think so. I also am going to hurt somebody. I guess I'd have to find a woman in my life that I, I don't like that well because, it, you know, if I'm going to do this, I, I got to see what it's like to live in a woman's body, so... Oh, you're that interested in in the uh, in the other gender experience? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're going to switch bodies with somebody, go for yeah. broke. I guess, yeah, go all the way. Yeah. Um, hmm. I spoke to someone on the phone the other day who was really short with me, so maybe I'll I'll choose her. Nice. Nice. How about you? Would you I was, you know, now that we're talking about this, I, I'm wondering if I would go for like a kid or something just oh, so God. you'd have your whole life ahead of you again. <laughs> you know yeah i mean i was kind of thinking of it as a 24-hour thing but oh well yeah that's if you're going permanent sure go for broke like (laughs) i said stab a kid exactly exactly (laughs) yeah i solidify my two out of five awkward pause rating okay cool (laughs) now that we've (laughs) now that we've touched on that last topic before we wrap up all right sounds good all right anything else that's all i got All right, well, that's going to be it for our discussion on Freaky. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find the show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find their social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with some other listeners and horror fans. You can find that on our website. Our logo is by Amy Mae Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. Until next time, if you're talking to Brian, make sure you're not a woman that's going to piss him off. Otherwise, he might come after you with a magical knife. <laughs> we know your type now. Yep.